Welcome to this kind of Silicon Valley. For those of you here in the live studio audience and those who have joined us online from various places around the world, we welcome you. This society called the International Society for Krishna Consciousness was founded by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the disciple of one of the descendants of Krishna coming through a disciplic line, that is, a descendant as a teacher who brought the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the most recent incarnation of Krishna. And after receiving the teachings, Srila Prabhupada, who founded this organization in New York in 1965, expanded those teachings in the Western world so that they could be comprehensible to English-speaking people. And, and he also amended the practice in such a way that Westerners could take it up. From 1965 to 1977, the year that he left the world, he engaged tirelessly in printing books, opening temples like this one, although he didn't open this one. He just uh, opened temples like it around the world, and many have opened since he left. And he also uh, taught internationally, giving classes, meeting dignitaries and professors and all kinds of people from every walk of life to inculcate the teachings of Lord Krishna from the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam. And amazing as it is, although he started without any backing, any resources, what to speak of, he didn't have venture capital. He didn't even have a definite backer except for Krishna. He was highly successful. He simply came by himself and introduced the process of Krishna consciousness, especially chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, which is a spiritual formula. A mantra is a way in which one comes directly in contact with the deity, in this case Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, through chanting his names. And he did that publicly, which attracted attention, as you might imagine. And then it actually just attracted followers who were fortified by his teachings that he held at a small storefront in New York City, especially on Bhagavad Gita and some on Srimad Bhagavatam. At that time, there, there were not very many books available for those who would come and listen to read, but gradually those books came out. And he also restarted his publication that, called Pacta Godhead magazine that he had started alone while he was in India. So single-handedly, he was able to bring the Krishna consciousness movement to the West. I was discussing with a godbrother of mine before I came here how being alone is not so easy to practice Krishna consciousness. Some of us have experienced what it's like to be isolated. Of course, we had the benefit, most of us, of being online 
and seeing each other through Zoom, hear, watching other uh, Krishna conscious programs on Zoom. But we were kind of alone and responsible for our own schedules, right? To some degree. And it's not as easy as when you're with others who are getting up at the same time, chanting at the same time, and so forth. And my godbrother was noticing the difference in his life. So he, had, he has, the one I was talking to, lived outside a community like this for a long time and is looking forward in his retirement to moving back in to a community where he can be with all the devotees 24 hours a day. So then he was reflecting about and remembering how it is that our founder, Srila Prabhupada, had been alone for 10 years in Vrindavan. Before he came to America, he was preparing by writing books and meditating on the way the Krishna consciousness could be spread and developing a blueprint. That was by himself. He didn't have backers at that time either. He lived very, very simply. And then when he came to America, he was alone for the first year without any help whatsoever. There were mishaps, for instance, his manuscript he was working on, and back then there weren't backup drives because there were no computers, no personal computers anyway. His typewriter was stolen, the manuscript that he was working on for Bhagavad Gita was stolen, he had to start over again. Have you ever had that happen before? Not that your manuscript was stolen, but that you lost everything. In the old days, that used to happen on computers where, you, oh, we just lost everything. I have to start over. Despite the fact that he was alone and there were mishaps and he didn't have backers, he persisted and held on to the order of his, uh, of his teacher to spread Krishna consciousness in the West. And with determination, not without some tribulation, he was able to develop a an international society incorporated in New York City around 1966. And then, then uh, it spread to San Francisco, to Montreal, New Mexico, and then it jumped over the ocean to London. More and more people began to support the Krishna consciousness movement. And in just uh, the time be uh, between 1965 and 70, about 13 years, Srila Prabhupada traveled around the world uh, more than a dozen times, which is difficult anyway for any person, but he was in his uh, old age. And he also curtailed sleep during that time because he felt like his opportunity, window of opportunity was short. So he gave up on sleep pretty much to continue writing books and managing an international movement. Most of his managers that he recruited were starting from the West in America, but they were young and without a lot of experience. And nowadays, when people come to the Krishna consciousness movement, especially here in Silicon Valley, many have PhDs and master's degrees <laughs> and already have a sense of how to manage themselves and what to speak of resources and organizations and so forth. These young people that were recruited, sometimes people compare to Lord Ramachandra, who had none other than a monkey army 
to uh, assist him. Uh, and of course, by his power, they were very successful. So what we have now in the modern day is uh, what was passed down uh, exactly a, a blueprint from the blueprint down to the the details of everything you see the way the temple is set up including the way we uh, perform a worship of Radha and Krishna and Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the various ways in which we chant the mantras and so forth these are not uh, a whimsically um, uh, taken up that they are they have been prescribed and passed down through a line of uh, teachers and we we often check to make sure that the ways in which we're practicing are in line with the teachings of our founder Acharya and also the previous teachers. So those who take up the practice, uh, even incidentally, who walk in and uh, take up any of the practices are following an authorized process, so be careful. That is, it'll be effective. If you'd rather stay in the material world and suffer, then probably don't, don't step in because you might lose your um, will to try to enjoy the ship going down. So one of the main practices that anyone can do and is encouraged to do is the chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra. And we'll, we'll start uh, an experiment by chanting together the Hare Krishna mantra. Those of you who are online, please feel free to join in behind muted mics. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Sri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Namine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Pashatyarishatarine Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasadi Gaur Bhakta Brinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, 
Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.
You see, everything's going to be fine. So if you ever feel blue or annoyed, anyone? Chant. Former President of the United States used to say at rallies, no, I'm not going to say any names, but he said, don't boo, vote. And we say, don't complain, don't worry, don't get annoyed, chant. Because when we chant Hare Krishna, just like we did now, we are directly in contact with the spiritual environment. Actually, we're directly in contact with a person. Krishna makes his avatar, and avatar means one who descends from a higher dimension to meet us at our level in order to help us. And the chanting of the mantra is an invocation which brings the avatar directly to us or which attracts the avatar or is the avatar directly, actually, the chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra, especially when it's received in the right company, from the right company company that has authorization to distribute its products. And then, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, mam yo vyabhicharina bhakti yogena sevate sagunan samatityaitan brahma bhuyaya kalpate. What that verse means is good news for all of us. Because Krishna is saying that you can rise above the annoyances of the material world. And once when I was talking with these sort of less um, demonstrative words about the sufferings of the material world, like annoying doesn't really sound that bad, does it? You're annoyed. Um, a godbrother of mine complained, I said the material world's a place of inconvenience. And afterwards he said, that's the understatement of the, of the <laughs> millennium. <laughs> it's not just an inconvenience, it's downright torturous. But I'm not using those kinds of words right now. If you're annoyed, or you feel disoriented, or you feel left out, anyone ever feel left out, lonely, What's some other things you can feel? Emotions. Frustrated. Frustrated. Possible? Anyone? Come on, let's express ourselves here. Let it all out. <laughs> so, any of those emotions in which we feel that we're oppressed by our mind, and by the world, by others, it's too much. It's just too much. Chant Hare Krishna. It works because it means we're directly in touch with Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then there's no problem. The only problem that I have is when I lose my connection with Krishna. And... There are different ways to have connection with Krishna, but the, the best way is through emotion. And that's what bhakti yoga is. 
So there's a practice to this whole thing. Practice means practical. It means we're humans. We can listen to a, a short class and then pick something up and take it home, write it on our wall, tattoo it on our arm, and then we can follow it. One, two, three. So I have a little formula I'd like to present. I don't know, can we like write it on a document or something? Okay, P equals C, and then there's a connecting line, LT, another connecting line that says RM, And then an arrow, which means leads to, at least it does in, when you, in economics. This leads to that, right? And then R equals G. Did you get all that? Did anybody write it down? You did? Okay. Why don't you take a picture of it? We could put it up. Okay, here's how it works. Take a photo or something. Or you can type it. You know how to do that? P equals C. I don't, I don't know what the nomenclature is in calculus or whatever to make it relate a relationship between different letters. It's not leads to, but I just put a little underline. P equals C and then a, a, a connecting line. LT, another connecting line, RM, arrow leads to R equals G. Now do you get it? Okay, here's, you got it? We need a PhD over there. Okay, practice. Practice equals, P is practice. Concentration over a long time. Concentration over a long period of time. RM, that's LT. RM is the right mood. Arrow leads to Now I forgot what R stands for, hold on. Well, if anybody can break the code, you win something. That's good. Note. Wait a sec. Yes. Okay. R equals response. And then equals grace. <laughs> okay, so thank you for your patience. We're still working this out. So practice means you have to concentrate. So when we're doing our practices of devotion, thank you, practices will see, 
and it's not an arrow because that means leads to just maybe a, a regular line to LT and then RM, then an a, a arrow. Do a dash. Instead of two arrows, do a dash. Okay, so you have to concentrate. Concentrate means you're actually focused on the practice. So let's just say in chanting Hare Krishna, this is one of the main practices. If you're doing something else at the same time, it's not really considered practice. You have to set aside time specifically for the practice that you're doing. This is if you want to make advancement and get grace. So concentrate. Fix your mind on the one thing that you're doing now, the practice that you're doing. So the various practices in Krishna consciousness that you can concentrate on, for instance, uh, you may be serving Krishna by uh, cleaning, or you may be chanting or hearing something. So you have to concentrate and do it over a long period of time. So that means be consistent over time. Don't do it just for a day or two, although anything's good, but if you want the result, you have to keep doing it. Don't stop and say, well, I didn't get anything yet, so I quit. So see, for long time, then right mood. So the mood has, has to be correct. So in bhakti, in the bhakti practice, the right mood is that I'm a servant, and I'm doing it as service, whatever I'm doing, and we should be humble. This is also one of the quintessential teachings of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in bhakti, is be very humble, consider oneself to be a beginner, and enter into the practice feeling helpless. So that's the right mood. Then, from there, what we get in bhakti is a response. We need the response, so Krishna responds to that kind of bhakti that's done for, with concentration over a long period of time in the right mood. Then there's a reciprocation or response. So respond means that you put out something like a, a prayer, and it, then you get the answer. It comes back to you. And can anybody relate to that? Probably, if you're sitting here, you've gotten some response somewhere in your life, and you felt, yeah, let me follow up on that. And that response is, is grace. This means that we can't uh, create grace. It comes to us by Krishna's mercy, but our part is to do the practice and put ourselves in that position. Maybe we could work with the formula a little bit more, but those are the basic elements. So before I go to the next part, I have a few more points for you, to, you know, to, that I've essentialized that you can take away, but let's see if you have any uh, questions about this part or any reflections.
Yes, Hansa Priya. You just reminded me the Jayadvaita Swami's uh, statement that many times you have repeated here that even in sadhana, something that's done the same thing for the long time with the right mood, then you will feel that taste of the, the freshness and uh, need it like it's a daily dosage. So I was thinking this formula, what you gave, it can be incorporated in a daily dose basis, little by little, in incremental probably might help to get to the to the extended mood, the right mood to have it on more more and more in our activities. Good good point that you make. And that is when we begin any kind of practice, we may feel inadequate. And we also may not have the wherewithal to concentrate for a long time. So this is a relative term, long time. What's long for one person may be very um, short for another. So consistency is important. And this comes out in the teachings of the uh, acharyas. Acharyas means the great teachers of bhakti who have passed it down in a way that we can all practice it. And one of them, in the book, A Nectar of Devotion, also called the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, mentions that we should practice bhakti constantly. In other words, if you're going to have, if, if it is a perfect process, why wouldn't you live in it all the time? And the question is, can you live in it all the time? Might ask ourselves, did you get what you're looking for in life yet? And if the answer is no, then say, maybe there's a different approach. And then you say, okay, I have a spiritual approach, but can you live in it all the time? So it's hard sometimes for people to live in their practice all the time. So the great acharyas say that you should then at least do it once a day. That's the minimum. Because every day is a self-contained unit. And you should take the time every single day to have some practice, even if it seems small, you can start with that. And that done every day for a while. What's a while anyway? What would that be? Huh? More than one day. What did you say? 21 days, okay. Anshu's just recommending 21 days. There's a theory floating around about the 21 day habit forming. and. If you can do something for 21 days, that's quite an accomplishment. But do it for a while, a few weeks, so you can see, see what the result is. But don't be afraid to start with something small, but fully concentrate when you do it. And the, uh, the process, when enacted in this way, will bring what we're looking for, which is a response uh, from Krishna you'll be able to see it for yourself in your life. What other questions or reflections? Shraddha. Thank you, Maharaj, for this wonderful formula. Um, I was thinking that it relates to so many verses in the Shishtakam. <laughs> um, Shishtakam, yeah. Because uh, I was thinking about the concentration 
and how can we concentrate? Um, we need to have a clean mind first, Chetodarpana, marginal. And then, um, you know, the right mood comes from and the long time, you know, there's a verse over there which says, you know, there's a surrender, mood of surrender there which says it doesn't matter what you do with me, so we should not be hankering for where the results coming, when are the results coming. The avile can be really many years like that. So there's so many yeah, I would like to also mention, following your excellent remarks, that in order to concentrate in bhakti, we require emotion. Or I should say, when we have emotion, true emotion, we're able to naturally concentrate on something. For instance, if you have an affection for someone, and then they're going away or you're separated from them, it's not that hard to think of them, is it? Right? So there's a, there's a way in which in bhakti, if we can develop some emotional attachment, especially to those who are practicing bhakti, that's why it's important to have friendships in bhakti. If you have friends that you're attached to, that you respect, and you have mentors and teachers that you're attached to, and you have a feeling for, then it, it's easy to think of them and be attached to the practice because you'll think, okay, what are they doing? What would they do in a situation like this? And when you take time to um, come to the, the association of devotees and you start to, do, to have memories about experiences you have, for instance, on festival days when we're able to be together all day long, and chant and do service and then late at night we have sometimes the chanting into the wee hours of the night there are these impressions that we start to develop and we get attached to them devotees i notice they get an emotional attachment to other devotees and also to their service and these are uh, important ways for us to stay in the practice and to concentrate also because when we're emotionally attached then it's much more likely that we'll be fully concentrated. And we'll, concentration means over time, every day we'll do it. Because we'll think, what are my mentors doing? What are my friends doing? What is the community doing? And then we can stay in the practice more likely. Okay, there were a couple more. Yes. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Um, when you started today by saying that Prabhupada was all alone when he was in Vrindavan and when he came to America, he was all alone. But he still, you know, was persistent and he made sure that he follows that the, the request and the order of his spiritual master. I have been struggling since yesterday because there's one participant of Bhakti community who is really advancing and she actually wrote to us saying that, you know, I really love the Zoom calls and everything, but it can't just be the two days. Uh, Krishna can't just leave me like that. Um, Krishna Prabhu actually forwarded that message. And uh, she she's looking for association and she's saying, I want somebody to walk with and talk with me about Krishna. And so while help is coming on the way and we are working very hard to see how we can integrate her, but as an interim, how, how should we um, advise such a person? Because... These 
these people are really like really interested, but we want to give them a right environment to come in and start getting the experience. So as a stopgap, how, how should we deal with this situation? Just be very loving and kind and helpful. Like you already are. Just keep doing it. When we teach Krishna consciousness in the world, we create a problem for ourselves. And that is how to manage all the response. <laughs> and it's in that anxiety of trying to fulfill all the orders we get. It's like a company. When you start up, one of the biggest problems you can have is if you're successful. A lot more companies go out of business because they're successful than they do for um, not getting enough orders. Because you can always somehow or other, well, not always, but you can often pull, pull through by getting more loans and things like that. But if you get huge orders coming in, then it's really hard to keep up with them and you, know, you can lose your thing. So in Krishna consciousness, you know, we, we go out and we teach people about it, and then they become excited about it. They want to know, where's the rest of it? You're hiding something from me, and you hand it over now. <laughs> That's a good sign, but we really have to think about it and you know, create these kind of bridges for people. A stopgap measure? It's not really stopgap. It's, it's the foundational part, but everybody needs attention. And so with uh, people like the person you're talking about, you know, be there for her. Set up extra time, whatever you can do. But just uh, care and attention. The best fertilizer is a gardener's shadow. Nothing replaces uh, per the personal touch. Prabhu. Uh, Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you for reminding this wonderful point. I had a question, you know, about practice concentration over a long time. I mean, I must confess, in a lot of this knowledge for me becomes theor theoretical. In the sense, knowing is one thing, but implementing is very difficult. Like, I must confess, you know, I start chanting very enthusiastically every day. But some of my rounds, I'm doing it you know, with so the room is in a mess, putting things around, or some things. I mean, I've heard this many years, and so on, but still that somehow or the other creeps up. So I, I just wanted to know, Maharaj, what is it that is missing? You know, it's kind of, it's plateauing. You know, it feels that after reaching a certain level, the next door is just not opening up. So is it... And then you already gave a wonderful point about uh, emotional attachment, which can be invited. But what is it? Is it some sort of offenses that we do to Vaishnava, which is causing us to just not go beyond a certain level, in spite of hearing it over and over and over again? What can it be? We have to be patient. Rupa Goswami recommends being patient. And if you think of doing your... For instance, chanting, when we're talking about personal chanting, we call it japa. That's the hardest thing there is because it's just you and your mind, generally. And that's sometimes not a fair fight to start with. But it's helpful to be patient and also be a little merciful upon yourself because often high achievers, like yourself, become uh, impatient 
why aren't I getting prema right away? Why is this so hard? How come I'm on a plateau? But if you look at, if you look at your overall situation, where you are right now, you might take a little, make a little solace. You're pretty well situated. You're a human. That's a big deal, actually, if you think about it. And, you know, the survival rate coming in and getting to a certain age, it's not guaranteed, but you're there. You're in a practice, solidly connected. You're also, you know, you've distinguished yourself in the process of devotional service. can ask anybody. And if you take stock of some of these things and then, like, sometimes you have to take a deep breath and say, okay, I'm not as bad as I think. I know we have... idea like you should be so humble and feel like you're completely unworthy and that's true in a sense but you should also remember how far you've come and where you are now because that can help you settle down a little bit and that's kind of what Krishna says when he I've quoted this verse a million times here but jata shraddha matkatasu nirvina sarva karmasu veda dukat makankamam spritya pyanishvara Krishna says, chill out. Keep going. Don't stop. I know you're freaked out about the fact that you're still you're going for a while and you, you don't have you don't have feel that you have complete success. This is understandable. But remember, you're in the right process. And just because you don't have the power to do everything you want to doesn't mean that you won't. Devotional service comes of its own power at a certain time. doesn't mean we shouldn't try, but Krishna will give us the, uh, the, the... The fruit will naturally ripen when the time is right. Trees that give really valuable fruits, like nut trees, they take a long time for the nuts to fructify or fruit trees. They don't... Just grow up and give fruits right away. So practice. Confirmed. Okay? Be patient. Just take a while. Chart out the next 30, 50 years. And uh, take a steady approach of a long period of time. And if all you do really is stay in the practice for your whole life, even if you feel like you're on a plateau, you're... um, you're, you're in the upper, upper percentile. <laughs> According to Krishna's formula, Manushanam Sahasreshu Kashyad Yatati Siddhaya. He said, not many people actually get serious about spiritual life, and those that do don't really come to this point of understanding the, the refined philosophy of Krishna, what to speak of, you know, practicing it. So you're doing okay. Better than okay, actually. Just keep doing it. Keep on keeping on. Anybody else? Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Uh, so, um, there, was, you, there was this point about concentration, and you said that um, you can concentrate on any, but, you know, any devotee who like you're attached to and who you respect. So I was thinking, uh, I had a question about how um, while ch- how, uh, how while chanting, we actually we're supposed to concentrate concentrate on Krishna, but really 
we we've been with Krishna but we don't remember anything because we we wanted to stay in this we wanted to go to the material world and experience a life without him and so how do we concentrate on Krishna who we really don't know I mean there's Shastra but we haven't really experienced a life with him I mean we have but we don't remember at least so yeah how do we how can you give me some tips on how to concentrate on Krishna while chanting sit up straight and then when you chant the Maha Mantra, then enunciate it. You might record yourself and see if you're actually pronouncing it because it helps you bring more awareness to your chanting. You're not just going, you know, saying something else. And then pray when you're chanting. Start by thinking about your situation. Last night I was thinking about how uh, something that uh, Dave, uh, well, a devotee had told me about uh, being in a helpless situation. Has anybody been in a helpless situation? You have, okay. Remember your helpless situation and try to get into that space before you chant. This is very helpful, actually, because my, my false ego tells me that I'm okay and I'm independent, but actually I'm not. I'm, I'm really helpless. Have you ever noticed that when you get in a helpless situation, you naturally... Turn to Krishna. Oh, Krishna, please help me now. <laughs> so that's reality. So just come to reality for a second. What a concept. And think that right now I'm helpless. I don't have to wait until my car is careening off the road or someone called and said, guess what? You know, your, your website got hacked and all your money's gone or whatever it is. Sorry, but that ought to help. Um, if, if, you, if you're able to come into that position of thinking that I don't have any backers. In fact, remember this point. This is something that Krishna brings up in the Bhagavad Gita. He said, I'm your backer. People need, they're always looking for a backer for something. You get a loan, you've got to get somebody to back you up, a backer. Who's your backer? I know you're going to say Krishna, but like who, who, who backs you up on things? Okay, your husband, who else? Your bank, who? Your friends, parents, anyone else? Teacher, huh? Parents, okay. There's all these. And so in the Bhagavatam, Shukadeva Goswami says, consider this for a minute. All the backers you have now, they're all going to somehow or other, they're not going to be able to back you up. Even if they really want to, they're not going to back you up at a certain point. And they're like, sorry, <laughs> you know, you're on your own. Uh, we can't help you right now. So Krishna consciousness is very simple. It means realize who your real backer is. This is an existential reality. If you consider the fact that right now I'm helpless, I only have one backer, and that is... Krishna. So he says in the Bhagavad Gita, I'm your backer. Sukrit, he, called, he said, I'm your Sukrit. I'm your best friend who will never leave you. And by the way, I have the power to do stuff for you. Other people, not so much. So this is Krishna consciousness. It means consider Krishna is my backer. He's, he's my only backer, ultimately. Shukadev, who's, he doesn't depend on anybody. He's speaking the Bhagavatam. I mean, he left home early, like right after he got out of the womb. So see you later. 
He didn't even say that. He just turned around and left. And they all like, come back. We want to back you up. And it's like, no thanks. And, you know, he speaks the Bhagavatam and he says to the world, Deha patra ap pashyanapi So you're all thinking you've got a backer. There is no backer for you that's not a fallible soldier unless you're taking shelter of Krishna. So start your chanting that way. And if, if you can come to reality before you chant and ride that wave of reality while you're chanting, then you'll actually feel like, I don't want to stop. I want to go back into that uh, false sense of, of myself and, uh, and get distracted in the world. And that's when you know you're making advancement. And that's when concentration becomes really thick. Everyone can do that. We're all souls sitting in a, some kind of body. And we can remember that we're helpless. That's not unreasonable, right? Okay. Okay, a couple more points. Um, three, three things to remember to align ourselves in, in Krishna consciousness. So that you can, you can be in the practice no matter where you are at all times. So the first thing is to consider where, where your home button is. Everyone needs a home, a home button. You have to have a place that you consider, this is my place. It's a natural sense that every living entity has. I have to have a home. If you don't have a home, then you're a wanderer, and you're moving from one place to the next without any shelter. That doesn't feel great. That's why travel comes from the word travail, which comes from a word which means instrument of torture. And so this sense of home is mentioned in the Bhagavatam, Dautatma Purusha Krishna. He says when a traveler who's weary from being on the road comes back home, suddenly feels satisfied, that everything's okay. So if, when somebody comes to Krishna, that person feels satisfied that now I feel home. So remember that your home is with Krishna. It's in the spiritual realm. It's not in this world. That could make things better because the mistake I make in thinking the home I just paid $4 million for that I have to pay, how much in property tax? $700,000 a year in property tax and all this. That's not your real home. That's like an Airbnb. You're just staying in it and you could get evicted at any time. I've stayed in some pretty bad Airbnbs. People are really nasty. You can't have any friends over. and It's you know. so, a... Our, our so-called home in this world is a farce. It's really a farce because you can't keep it. So don't consider this world or any place that you've set down your tent to be your home. I mean, I'm not saying live on the street somewhere. I'm saying the opposite. You know, find your real home. In this lifetime, just remember that this world isn't our home. Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Param Sada. The devotees are ones who are sada. They're always meditating where my real home is. They're, they're thinking, uh, the spiritual world is my home. This isn't my home. That's good news because this world can't accommodate us as a home. We don't belong here. That's the first thing. Second thing is we need an object of love. So you might notice that every living entity has a propensity to love. And we're all projecting that into various entities in this world. Let's name five. 
where people project their love. And I'm not talking about pure devotees and thinking about Krishna. Okay, so what, what, who are five object, uh, objects of my love in this world? Dog. Dogs are a, a huge, uh, it's like my neighborhood, there's no other animals but dogs. And, you know, dogs are very lovable because they just, uh, especially when they're not, stre- when they're street dogs, of course, you know, dogs are very affectionate. We were doing a parikrama around Govardhan, and we had about seven devotees, and we were walking along really fast, and this dog just looked at us and go, can I come? <laughs> it's like, all right, come on. He just jumped in and was like, I'm with these guys, you know? And all the other dogs were barking at him and saying, get out of our territory. And so like, I'm with these guys. And we said, yeah, he's with us. Leave him alone. Uh, so it's easy to get attached to a dog. dog. It's like, at least my dog loves me. So you can love a dog. Yeah, that's for sure. You can get an uh, object of attachment as a dog. Car. First... First law of buying a car, I learned this a long time ago. Don't love the car because it won't love you back. <laughs> I love a car. It just, over time, it gets old. And it's the wrong style. Even after one season, they come out, hey, did you see the fins on the new one? That one looks much better. <laughs> so uh, you can love a car, but it won't love you back. Another one? House, you can love a house. The houses are like running a business, constant maintenance you have to put on them, plus you have to pay the insurance, plus you have to pay, you know, the mow and blow guys to come in and torture you with their loud blowing of mowers. That's a good enough excuse in and of itself to leave the material world, leaf blowers. That's my main thing. If they ask me, you want to stay in the material world? No, thanks. If there's leaf blowers, I'm out of here. I hate it. And there's what you get in a house in the suburbs. <laughs> Anything else? What? I can't hear. Career. You can love your career. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and, you know, mostly we put our objects of love into, yeah, we could say our career. I love my career. Careers change. Jobs change. Uh, what else? Family. family, family, children, so forth. Okay, so not that we become cold-hearted, but we should be realistic and understand that wherever we invest our love, whatever object uh, we put our love into, okay, you say family, child, child, children change over time. They're not the same uh, when they're seven as when they're, you know, 27. It, it's, it, they change, it's different. It's hard for us to keep up that affection going in one direction and then they disappoint us in different ways how can a a relative that we love disappoint us what get a bad grade in school school. (laughs) let it all out let's come on let's discuss this it's therapeutic they're different (laughs) what jump on your back Talk about behind your back. There's so many ways uh, these relationships can come and go. So a simple formula. Realize through hearing logic, real wisdom, that there is a supreme person who is the object of all of our love. We're actually part and parcel of the supreme personality of Godhead. If I invest my love in a politician... 
other people do. They get really emotional. It's like, I love, I hold a sign. It's got to be this. And then, then a revelation comes and they go, oh, I hate the guy. Or, uh, you know, it just changes over time. But with Krishna, it never changes. So this is satisfaction, to have an object of love that is real, never diminishes, and who can reciprocate with us. So first one is home. Second one is our object of love. If you're going to pour your love and affection into some entity, whether it's a, a person or a car or, or whatever, then go for Krishna. Uh, put your love and attention, give it to Krishna. Because he, he's the one who can reciprocate it. And the third is to consider that this world, with all its things, how many things are in the world? Approximately. One billion? More than a billion? More than a billion things. Uh, probably more than a billion things if we divided them up properly, even in this building. So consider everything in this world or person as paraphernalia, or let's say everything, as paraphernalia to engage in Krishna service. So if you look at a car, for instance, that's paraphernalia. What's it for? Using Krishna service. What's money for? It's to use in Krishna service. What's the chair for? Using Krishna service. House. It covers everything. This is your full coverage. Everything in the world is paraphernalia to use in Krishna service. Ishavasyam idam sarvam yat kincha jagatyam jagat tena taktena punjita magrada kasasudanam. Problem solved. So you got three, three uh, tenets. One is, this is not my home. That's a relief, because if it was, it's a pretty crummy home. You don't get to stay. There is a home, cultivate knowledge. Krishna talks about it in the Bhagavad Gita. When everything else in this world gets crushed, and it will, that place is there for you always. It's never diminished and it never go, it's never destroyed. It's always there. So that's good to know. You have a home. Number two, object of love. Don't pour out your love in places where it can't be reciprocated properly. Love Krishna, put your love into Krishna. What that means also, because inevitable question comes, does that mean that I become antisocial, I don't love anybody else? No, actually, you love people more profoundly. You love all the entities more profoundly based on the principle that you see that they're all connected to Krishna. The other kind of so-called love is very superficial. I love you, and then two years later, I hate you, and by the way, here's some papers I want you to sign. This is commonplace in the material world because it's just superficial. But if you love Krishna, then there's a deep abiding love that you have for all living entities. All living entities, not just humans. You love spiders and you love worms. Yeah, spiders and worms. You love spiders and worms because you see Krishna's there in their heart. And, uh, and trees. We just read in Giriraj Rami's book how the, the, the length Prabhupada went to save one tree. He said, you can't cut these trees down. He said, leave it in the middle of the road. He said, I saw it in the Middle East. They do this. They preserve the tree. So still, you'll see a juhu, middle of the road, coming in there. It's like, there's a palm tree growing out of the middle of the road. <laughs> you go around it. <laughs> That'd be nice on the 101. 
We should ask if they would do that. Once, uh, yeah, we wrote to the governor and told him that we had uh, caused the rains to come in the drought. You should support us. That was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, anyway, so the third thing is everything's to be used in Krishna service. And if you think like that, then you won't be in anxiety because if you, if you consider something yours, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you consider it, it's mine only to use in Krishna service, then you, you'll always be uh, positioned properly and no problem. And now I'm going to do a time check because today we have a special offering, two special offerings. It's actually one with two segments in it, which is coming to me in the form of a handwritten note. Okay. It'll be ready soon. Okay, now uh, let's just see if there's any more reflections or questions. Yes, Kishori. Hi, Krishna Prabhu. I really liked your point about um, investing all our love in Krishna and um, not investing that love um, in various other locations or places or things um, that might um, disappoint us. And simply by loving Krishna, watering the root of the tree, everyone around us will get nourished. And that's very relieving to know because um, there's might be so many um, expectations or desires we may have, but we can actually accomplish all of those simply by pleasing and serving Krishna and loving him. Yes. And, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I mentioned him earlier. He's Krishna, but he comes as a devotee to teach how to give love to Krishna, practically. Therefore, uh, there's two words, acharya. Acharya means one who teaches by example. And lila, lila means uh, for a divine person who's not bound to the material world the way they... uh, do things in this world. So Acharya Leela describes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He comes to the world. He's not bound to come, but he's here to show us exactly how to do devotional service and to love Krishna, as you're saying. And so one of the tenets of love for Krishna is to consider that I'm part of Krishna and Krishna is mine. And in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, he goes out of his way to show us that in various ways that actually we're always connected to Krishna. And the most um, binding of feelings is Krishna is mine. So there's a story about this. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in his youth, he was a great scholar. And the devotees whom he lived with in Navadweep, had a conversation amongst themselves regularly, which is, he's so smart, so beautiful, there's only one thing wrong. We wish he was a devotee. And later, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to Gaya. This is all part of his Leela. He's just showing this to the world, unfolding uh, segments of his life to teach us something. He goes and he meets his guru, Srila Ishvarapuri and Gaya. He went there, did uh, Nimai Pandit, which was his name before. He's called Chaitanya Mahaprabhu after he took sannyas. And there he went to honor his father. 
his father's death anniversary. And when he was there, he met his guru, and he took initiation in the process of chanting Hare Krishna. So then when he came back to Navadweep, his hometown, he uh, manifested his mood as a devotee of Krishna. And all the devotees were excitedly running to one another's home saying, guess what, there's news. Nimai Pandit's become a devotee. That was big news. So after some time in Navadweep, Nimai Pandit took sannyas. Sannyas means to become a monk, renunciate, give up everything, family, and so forth. And he did this just to give everyone more of an opportunity to have access to his lila around the world and also to um, give people who were hesitant about appreciating him to just sort of naturally appreciate him because he was a sannyasi, which is a, a worshipable kind of a person in India. And so when he went to take his sannyasa initiation, Keshava Bharati was his uh, sannyas guru. And Keshava Bharati uh, was going to give him a mantra because he took Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sannyas in a, in a line that was coming down from uh, Shankaracharya. And there was this aphorism, Tattvamasi, that Mayavadi say. And they interpret that word, that phrase, as you are that, which means you are God. So when they take sannyas, they walk around thinking, yeah, I'm God. I'm a man I am God. I'm manifest in this way. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then went, before he took initiation, he had heard from one of his devotees, Murari Gupta, that tattvamasi actually means that you are his. It means that you belong to Krishna. And so before he went for his initiation, he went to his initiating guru, initiating sannyas guru, and he said, I, I had this dream that you gave me this mantra, and I want to tell it to you, what I heard in my dream, to see if it's the same mantra you're about to give me. And so his guru said, okay, tell me. And he put his right ear, the, the ear that you hear the mantra in when you take initiation. And so Mahaprabhu said, Tattvamasi. But he did it with the mood, the conception of you are his, not you are that, that you are Krishna, but that you belong to Krishna. Krishna belongs to you. It's a very different meaning. And you can say it's the same words, but the mood, as I was talking about before, earlier, the mood has to be right. It's part of the formula, right? That's right. So now what happened was it was kind of a trick because this way Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had initiated his guru before his guru initiated him. Initiation really means to take on the mood of the parampara and the guru you're getting it from. Gives you the mantra in a certain conception, in a certain mood. So that he gave it back to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, already having been initiated by him, uh, and therefore he received this mantra, Tattvamasi. So it it indicates the mood that the, of the line of devotional service that we're in. And it's very sweet, actually, that we belong to Krishna. And Krishna belongs to us. He's ours. 
and this is a, a mood of devotees who are advancing in devotional service, mamata means he's mine. So that's where you can get attached. Full permission from every uh, teaching of bhakti in the world that become attached to Krishna and feel like he's mine and I'm his. Then you can be completely happy. We'll just take two more. Yes. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Um, this is about the second point that you were saying about that the object of love that is real is Krishna. I was thinking that um, Krishna alone reciprocates with us without any condition. People in the material world, it all depends on how you treat them, they treat you back. You know, it's based on situations, their mood, and so many other factors. Of course, we also have to behave nice to them. But, you know, with Krishna, it's like he picks up whenever we fall down. And he's, it's so reassuring to feel that he's always there for us, um, regardless of the mistakes that we do. But, of course, we have to repent and go forward. But he's always there. That gives like a... I mean, you, we don't have to feel discouraged at any point. Well, that's nice to know, and it's a good point. Uh, we can see in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says about those who are practicing devotional service to the best of their ability, even if they're terrible at it. Anyone? Um, don't raise your hand. Uh, even if, Krishna says, in fact, he says these exact words, even if, api chet, sudaracharo, even if you're... Uh, you're doing devotional service and it appears that you're, you know, you don't even look like a devotee. You're very worldly and you're stop-start. But your intention is there. Like, tattvamasi, Krishna's, I'm Krishna's. Then Krishna says, don't worry about a thing. I will always uh, stand up for my devotee. And I'll protect my devotee. You'll be successful no matter what. So align your mood in the ways that we talked about before and go on no matter how bad you think you are. And as you're pointing out, Krishna will cover for you in all ways. Thank you. That was an important point. One more. Yes. I was just thinking how the same Tattva Masi, we are his, and uh, that uh, not feeling discouraged also holds true in Krishna consciousness because even after performing Krishna consciousness for so many years, uh, when I go to India and be in some temples or amongst relatives where the mood is like Dwaraka, like so many rituals and worship of Krishna, and they say so many things that you don't understand. And then sometimes the thought comes to my mind like, Oh, I was 20 years away from all these things. Did it mean that I didn't do anything right? Or was it like the mood was different? But then Krishna shows us that it's, it's the attitude that we have developed is what is much more uh, precious than uh, the rituals, uh, which could be Niyamagraha, which we don't know. But he gives, instills that faith that whatever uh, we did under the shelter of Vaishnavas is will protect us, and that's the truth. And he instills that faith in such a deeper manner. So I also thought that um, we should keep going. <laughs> no yeah, it's a very important point you make. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, 
In the eighth chapter, Yang Yang Vapi Smaran Bhavam Tajat Yanti Kalevaram Tam Tam Evaiti Konteya Sadatat Pava Bhavita. If you think about this for a minute, it's easy to uh, rush through this verse and say, Yeah, yeah, I heard that before. But think about what it says. Krishna says, When you leave this body, then the mood that you've developed, the attitude, as you say, that you've, the prominent attitude that you've developed because of the way you've chosen to associate yourself in this world and the kind of practices that you've kept up, those will come to the fore at the time when you leave your body. And remember I talked about being helpless? I was devoted, somebody was telling me about uh, being arrested and then their hands were handcuffed behind their back and they were thrown in a car and the police car and being driven off somewhere. And so like, yeah, I'd like to stop at the park and have a drink of water or something like that. It's like, no, you're going straight. <laughs> you're not stopping anywhere. You're going where we say you're going. I'd like to go home first and change. No, you don't get to change. You're going straight to the place. This, this is what happens when we leave the body. Everything's out of our hands after that time. Now it's in our hands right now. And if we develop the right attitude, which is possible, you can change your attitude, right? Yes. Say yes. yes. You can always change your attitude. And the best attitude to have is that I belong to Krishna, Krishna belongs to me. Cultivate that throughout your life because yang yang vapi svaran bhavam. When you leave the body, if you have that feeling, that attitude, that bhava, that's my main feeling, then you attain success when you leave this body. Otherwise, whatever kind of debilitated attitudes that you have, that you allow to linger in this lifetime, you even maybe cultivate them on the side or as your main thing, that's going to uh, decide uh, how you get accommodated in your next life. So remember, you have freedom right now. Everyone has freedom. You have freedom. Even if you feel like you only have this much freedom, how much? like that much. Use that to develop the attitude of Krishna consciousness because that will serve you eternally well. And there is a time in which it gets tested and when we're leaving the body, especially when we're leaving the body. So with that, we have a couple of minutes before we have our offerings. We have a couple of offerings tonight. And this, for those of you uh, who may be just tuning in right now of, or have just walked in for the first time, uh, in our community, we have a project that's ongoing. And that is to distribute, we have many projects going, but one of the major projects is to distribute copious amounts of uh, spiritual literature to the, the not just to Silicon Valley, but to all parts of the world. And uh, we've developed this community since 1997 uh, in earnest based on, uh, it's been based on the distribution of literatures. And then of course, as uh, Pavani Bhakti's pointing out, when you do that, then people come knocking at your door and say, now what do I do? And so the other part of our mission has been to develop ways to help people move forward in their bhakti practices at all different times and levels. And so today is a celebration of one of the great teachers of bhakti, 
named Srila uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Uh, this is a weekend we've dedicated to him. And today we'll be um, standing up in a few minutes and before our founder Acharya, we'll be offering the results of our combined distribution of books and also what we call the Bhakti community, which is uh, we developed especially in a robust way during the pandemic through which uh, people could join together and practice bhakti and associate with one another in communities online. And uh, we have a way of measuring our progress in that mission. The two missions go together. They're like hand and glove or like yin and yang or peas and carrots, as Keshavardi Marge always says. I never got that one. Mm -hmm.